Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer. Welcome to the Corporate Flight Attendant Podcast. I was a corporate flight attendant for six years, and I tell you the brutal, honest truth of this industry. Today, we are discussing the Lineage 1000. Embraer is a private jet company headquartered in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Sorry, that was a bad pronunciation. Sao Paulo? (laughs) I cannot do that accent. Brazil. And they manufacture the Lineage 1000. This is a big private jet to me, bigger than the others. I remember it being huge. However, it was the first private jet I was ever on. So maybe really it wasn't that huge and it just seemed huge to me. In reality, it can fly in and out of airports such as Teterboro, New Jersey, and Aspen, Colorado. Aspen really surprised me because many private jets cannot go in and out of Aspen due to the aircraft's wingspan and the mountains create an alleyway of sorts for takeoff and landing. So you can't have these incredibly large wings because you will crash. (laughs) But looking back, I still think the cabin was the largest. The range of the Lineage 1000 is 4,000 600 nautical miles, which is well under the Gulfstream 650ER, which is 7,500 nautical miles, which is why the G650 is still way more popular than the lineage. Range wins out every time. And I keep repeating over and over, Gulfstream is an American status symbol and dominates the market. It's much cooler to say that you have a G650 than you have a Lineage 1000 because no one knows what a Lineage 1000 is, right? The cabin itself has five zones and you can carry up to 19 packs easily. So I was hired to work this account on a Lineage 1000. It was my first account ever, you guys, ever. Can you imagine? And there were 19 packs And they could fit easily into the cabin, unlike other jets where they would have to configure the seats like an airline. This was so spacious to me. As you walk onto the Lineage 1000, the cockpit is to the left. In front of you is a large couch lobby area, which makes this plane unique. To the right is a crew rest, which we never sat in because it was piled with the owner's crap. This is the first and only time I'd ever seen where we could not use the crew rest in the front or the front lav or bathroom because it was just piled with all this shit we had to take on, all the owner's food. I I still think that's ridiculous. But anyway, as you continue down the plane, there was a huge galley or kitchen with a ton of drawers, counter space, and see-through cabinets for champagne flutes and wine glasses. And then there was a cabin zone that sat around, if I remember correctly, it was four people. It may have been six. And there were male packs who, I'm sorry, male passengers who would play cards and backgammon there. Then you walk into the main cabin, which was just beautiful. It looked like a fancy living room, private jet. It was just so spacious and luxurious with a beautiful carpet, bucket chairs, couches, large TV, credenza. It was just like walking into someone's fancy living room. It really didn't look 
that jet like to me. It actually looked like an actual living room, which I think sets it apart from the other private jets we've compared. Then there was a lab. So you had the lab in the front, then the cabin, then another lab. And in the back was a spacious bedroom with a lab that included a shower. You guys, this was the first jet I went on that had a shower as well. And then there was the cargo. So if you can go onto Embraer's website, that's a really good idea. And you can take a virtual tour of a Lineage 1000. You will not be sorry. It is just such a beautiful jet. And it's what you see in, I would say something like Succession, where I think on Succession, they're supposed to be on a BBJ, but that's kind of what it looks like. It's that big. It has that many zones. It looks very cool. So I'm going to spell Embraer for you. E-M-B-R-A-E-R, and then the lineage is spelled L-I-N-E-A-G-E-1000. So if you just Google that, search that, then you can easily get on their site and do a virtual tour. So nice. Also, I want to say something cool about the Lineage 1000, especially since I flew it, what, at this point now, I probably flew it seven years ago. That sounds right. Yeah. Everything was electronic at the time, even the tray tables, which I know doesn't sound like a big deal, but at the time it was a big deal. You had to push a button and the tray tables would go in and they would go out. And the owner was really particular about that. And if you didn't know how to work the table, it would annoy him. I know I've said somewhere along the line, if you don't know how to work the pocket doors, that annoys the owners as well. So these are the things you have to figure out if you're new to the aircraft and you get on the aircraft and you try everything. The lead packs on this account or lead passenger, he was the owner, was an absolute control freak. He was psycho about the cabin door. I had never seen this happen again. He wanted the cabin door open at all times so he could watch all of the flight attendants. Now, I don't mean that in a sexual way. I mean that in just, he wanted to make sure, I guess we weren't stealing. He wanted to make sure we were working. We could never sit down. And by the way, he would do flights that were, the ones I went on were never under eight hours. No, that's not true. I think I took a six hour flight with him, but everything else was usually eight to 12 hours. Uh, I think he had trust issues. (laughs) I think he had trust issues with employees So that's why he wanted to see everything in front of him. It was weird because it was the first plane I'd actually worked on. And then I remember I went on to an account on another plane and I kept the cabin door open. And the passenger said to me, could you please close the cabin door? And at that point I realized, oh, that's normal to have the cabin door closed. Just that first account was too bizarre. So just so you guys know that. This lead passenger and his wife would fill the plane with suitcases and shopping bags and have a second private jet that they chartered just for the PAX luggage when they took these big trips with 19 people. I thought it was absolutely way too over the top, absolutely ridiculous. I don't understand the need for having that much luggage. I just, I don't get the excess. I understand capitalism. I am an American. I love capitalism. Our system of you work hard, you earn, you become whatever you want in life, you become rich. That's great. I'm happy for you. But when it becomes just to this point of excess where it's 
you're sitting there and you're watching yet another rare piece of something that these people don't need from Italy come on, right? And you're thinking that could feed a small country that could help with a lot of the problems in our country, that money. It's kind of sad to watch at some point. You know, if, you, if you're like me, if you love the excess, then you love the excess and that's you, but that's not me. So that was, I think, a really hard part of the job that I, I don't know if I've ever spoken about that on the podcast. And I write about it in the book I'm writing where that excess would just hurt my heart. I was a former Peace Corps volunteer. I've done the Peace Corps in my 20s. I am an absolute minimalist. So when people act like this, it's it was hard for me. That was a tough part of the job. There was always four to five courses of food. He was never the person that was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just have a sandwich today. Never. Uh, that's understandable. That's a job. That's what he was paying for. I don't think anything was wrong with that. But He's just never the guy to give you a break, ever, ever, ever. And I remember speaking to one of the flight attendants who was full-time, and she said that he would do these 20-minute flights where you were expected to do at least three courses, which I don't even know how that was possible. But I guess that was just the guy's personality. The bedtime, (laughs) getting 19 people to bed was insane. We had to have bedding for 19 packs. So we had to set up beds for 19 passengers, which was absolute insanity. So how they did it was all the bedding had to be stored in the underbelly of the plane because luckily you can do that in a lineage 1000. And then when we were stopped, I think what they did was they switched the luggage something like that. They switched the luggage and the bedding from the underbelly to the cargo. And it was absolute hell. It was hell, you guys, to watch this process. And then doing the actual process was just, I mean, you can imagine there's 19 people, they're ready to go to bed, they're all standing up, because you have to get all the bedding through, you're getting jet beds through, they have to inflate you have to set up each bed with sheets, you know, the whole thing, all the bedding you would put on in a pillow and make it nice and make it look good. And they're just all standing up while you're doing this, which is fine. And again, this these packs were never the people who were like, oh, it's cool. I'll just, don't worry about it. Just give me a pillow and give me a blanket and call it a day. These were not easy people to deal with. They had to have what they had to have. And part of me understands that because again, that's what you're paying for. That's a service. If everyone around you has a jet bed and a pillow, I get that. Like that sucks. And I remember the one flight in particular was eight hours. I think it was an 11 hour flight and eight hours of it they slept. So I get that. I'm, I'm cool with that. But these people would not let you relax an inch. So you can imagine If you're doing an 11-hour flight with them, you're not sitting down. It was absolutely exhausting. I remember every time I did this account, it was just nonstop exhausting. When we were on the ground, they were constantly changing things and blah, blah, blah. So you couldn't even enjoy it on the ground. You could. I shouldn't say that. You could. But at certain points, you couldn't. It It was a lot. This account was so insane and so over the top that I couldn't experience the full beauty and the glory of the Lineage 1000. And that was a shame. I have to say that looking back, I couldn't really enjoy everything that I wanted to enjoy. And I remember that crew, I think everyone had quit. 
I know people were fired. I know that for sure. But everyone else had quit. I don't even think they have anywhere near the same crew. And they go through crew like water because the lead passenger is or the owner is mercurial because he's in a good mood one minute. He's not in a good mood. He flew all the time, all over the world. He was never not on his private jet. The crew never got a day off. It was absolutely exhausting. There was never an easy trip. There was never a, hey, we're just going to Washington, D.C. It's an easy trip. Never. He always demanded everything, all the time, over the top, from everything from the crew to the catering to the trip itself to ordering special things while we were on the ground to when we were on the ground. Even that, he was constantly changing things. So he was way too much for me. And I remember that they wanted me to come on as a third flight attendant. And I said, no, because I just saw the writing on the wall. (laughs) I knew that this was going to consume my life and be hell. And I didn't want any part of it. I have to say the lead passenger was nice enough to me. He remembered my name, which was, I guess, a big deal. I like some of his family. I do remember that, that some of his family was very kind. You know, there were good points or bad points, but mostly bad points. And uh, (laughs) yeah, whoever is working that crew, God bless. And I wish you luck because I know what you're dealing with. And rumor has it that they could not find a lead flight attendant in the U.S. because the account had such a bad reputation at Teterboro. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think Teterboro White Plains everywhere that no one wanted to do it. So I heard that they had to hire a flight attendant from somewhere else from another country who wanted to move to the U.S. and get the visa and all that. And that's the only person who did it. And I'm telling you right now, I would put money on it that once she got her visa and all that, she quit the account. So, yeah, memories. Uh-huh. <laughs> And FYI, as of 2020, actor and media mogul Tyler Perry owns a Lineage 1000, so good on him that he's doing that well. I remember when I flew the Lineage 1000 around 2016, them saying that Tyler Perry also has a Lineage 1000. So if he still owns it in 2023, then he's had it for a while and maybe he's looking for an upgrade. And if you guys do any of these planes where it's a definite 19 people situation all the time. Just know it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot. And for me, my tip to you would be make sure that the passengers are nice. If you're going to be dealing with this 24-7 and they're going to be always taking these long trips, you just have to make sure they treat you with respect and they're nice. Because to me, it's just not worth it if they're not. I understand if they want to demand certain things because that's in their right. But Other than that, I would say if it's constantly a plane full of people and they're just not treating you right, then you just need to move on. Overall, the Lineage 1000 is a gorgeous, incredibly spacious private jet that if you take away that limited range, it supersedes all the other private jets in comfort and luxury. This is the final comparison of the large private jets. The next time we compare the PJs, I will be discussing more mid-sized to smaller private jets where a flight attendant can still be on board. 
Let's talk about the ways you can support this podcast. The Corporate Flight Attendant book, a brutally honest guide to your dream job, reveals all the necessary information to succeed in this business, including acing the corporate flight attendant interview, where to train, what a day in the life looks like, salary, and daily rate. I updated and revised the book for 2023. I added an interview resume cover letter chapter, and I go deeper into the day in the life chapter. So make sure you... Uh, look in the show notes and click on that link to check it out and buy it. The CFA strategy session. If you are an aspiring or new corporate flight attendant who needs guidance and a leg up, especially with cover letter, resume, a mock job interview, and answering any questions you may have, let's do a video conferencing session. All that information, the price, all of it is in the show notes. The book and the CFA strategy session, of course, supports me and this podcast, but it also supports you on your CFA career journey. And I know there are listeners out there who write to me and you guys are awesome and you do the reviews and everything. And you say, hey, you know, I'm not into being a corporate flight attendant, but I love hearing all the behind the scenes. Please donate to this podcast. Uh, It is easy. It's the fastest thing you'll ever do. And of course, please give me five stars wherever you listen. Five stars only, rating and review takes less than 10 seconds of your time to give me a rating and less than a minute of your time to give me a review. So please do that because that helps this podcast so much. I am dropping the next episode on Friday, June 30th, 2023. Until then, happy flying.